something at my house or someone's house. Yeah. And I, I leave the door or whatever. I'm like, fuck. Dude, I'm like a weird... I don't think I'm a paranoid guy by any means, mm-hmm. but like, for whatever reason, I never trust that I'm walking my car. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I am... <laughs> I'm the person on tour who checks the van to yeah. make sure it's locked like three times. Because I've had, like, mm-hmm. I'll have friends call me up. Like, one of my, uh, I say I have, like, a film crew, right? And yeah. There, there's the, there are the gr- these group of guys that I've been working with since, like, 2019. Mm-hmm. And they're, I'm just so proud of them. They've been in, like, short films now. And, like, nice. they just finished this um, short film that won a ton of awards at these festivals. And it's called, mm-hmm. like, I think it's called The Stonefly. It's about this fly fisherman in um, Puyallup. Okay. And it just got they're turn it won enough awards and enough funding that they're turning into like a feature length documentary. Hell yeah. So like shout out Free Built Films. Nice. But basically, like Cody, the the creator of Free Built Films, hit me up one day. This might have been like almost two years ago now, and I still think about it like every day. Nice. And I bet he does too, honestly, but he he called me one day and he's like, Man, I'm having the worst day ever. I'm I'm in Oregon staying in this hotel. And I was just so tired. I'm like, I'm just gonna leave my camera here, in my in my oh, car, no. and just go to sleep. And, and it's, it's a safe neighborhood. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Wakes up in the morning, goes downstairs. His car, his car trunks had bro- been broken. In. I think it was like an SUV. So like the, the back um, trunk door had been smashed open, and all his gear, like he said something close to like fifteen thousand dollars worth of gear was just stolen from the back oh. of his SUV. And I'm like, fuck. Like also, Dude. I don't. What do people look for? Is there something that they're looking for before they break into your car, or does yeah. it not really matter? I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, I hope his stuff was insured. I hope so, too. I never followed up with him about that. Um, yeah, I mean, we've definitely... I've gotten my van broken into twice. I got a bunch of gear stolen before. So I'm, like, always paranoid. I, my whole van got stolen. Oh, my God. Was oh, shit. Like, was it, like... I was watching... Terminator's, like, one of my favorite movies. Okay? Yeah. And I forget which one it was, but in one of them, I think it's the Terminator uh-huh. who like steals like a van and he just uses a knife. Was it like I that old of a van that you could like put uh, a knife in the van? Actually, that's part. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much how. When I got, I actually found the van a week later. Mm. Uh, the guy looked at because they had taken the lock out, and he's oh. like, "Yeah, you know what they did?" He's like, "They take a screwdriver, pop it in the lock, and then just yank it out." Wow. It was, I mean, it was like a 2001, 2003 van or something, but uh, the my lock is still messed up on it. It's like they they did some damage. He's like, oh, yeah, this probably t- took them like one minute to like boost your car and, uh, or your van. I'd like to it. interview someone who steals, well, I guess I wouldn't be able to have someone in the, maybe if it was like in their like youth. Yeah, or just like vehicle. hide their identity yes. or something. I want to do something like I that. I want to know that because like, it seems like, I mean, the the people who do it well, like, there's a total method, and they, like... Yeah. I've, in the last year, I've had multiple friends who've gotten their truck stolen and <sighs> stuff, like, or whatever, and it's, like, it's insane. Yeah, what know. do you do with that? Yeah. That's why you need insurance. There's probably so many people who don't have insurance, if you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't, at one point, when a bunch of gear got stolen, and then, ever since then, I started buying, like, gear insurance, because... Yeah. We also got our practice space robbed before, and Aww. that, like, saved our ass. Like, you still have to wait for a check for a while and all that stuff, but... Shit. It's, um... Yeah. 
like if I can, I just like I carry a backpack around, mm-hmm. and I was doing this like DJ gig, like when was it? Fuck, it was like two weeks ago, so it wasn't even mm-hmm. that long ago, and it was like for like community. So it was like these, I think it was for like inner city youth wanting to go to college. There's like all these like college programs for like high schoolers, right? Okay, yeah. And like all these kids came up to me, like they're like asking if I was like 17 or something, you know? <laughs> so I feel like if I walk around with a backpack, everyone thinks I'm just like just, just fresh out of school out of or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's what I do. I carry everything that I can in a backpack. So like yeah. I never feel like I'm going to lose something in my car. Uh, yeah. Like I'm paranoid right now too. Cause like, Oh no, I have my backpack with me now. Yeah. Backpack. It game. has like most of like the new record that I'm working on and I stupidly haven't backed it up yet. And so anywhere I am, like, there's no way I'm leaving that. I'm yeah. like going to the grocery store with it. Like whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. If somebody's like, I need to check that bag at the grocery store. I'd be like, Nope. 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 <laughs> Wait. So how do, how do artists back up records? Is it, is it on the cloud? Is it another hard drive? I mean, or? you could, yeah, you could back it up in the cloud. I usually do it on another hard drive, but mm. like, I just, all mine are full, and the one that I have, actually, another videographer guy that I know has it, because mm. uh, we did stuff forever ago. He shot stuff, and I gave him the hard drive to use, and then we just haven't gotten it back. But. I was at a, my studio, like, this was like two months ago, mm-hmm. and I had this six, six terabyte hard drive and so it was like on the desk over there and it was so big that like i don't know if you've had a hard drive where you've had to like plug it into like a power outlet oh yeah so it was like one of those those and i was in my chair right there and i move and it yanks the cord out and the hard drive falls on the ground it wasn't even a far drop fall far drop yeah and like it's fucked now so like six big (laughs) gigabytes of data is just i mean terabytes of data is just gone so I had to buy two different hard drives. But then, like, everywhere I look, people are like, don't back your things up to this hard drive or this. So I'm like, where are you actually supposed to back things up to if something can break no matter what, you know? Weird. Like, I guess you need, like, a fucking grid to back it up on. I don't yeah. Know. Or, like, I know people who, like, audio engineers and stuff i worked with have, like, a system of, like, two different hard drives. Oh. Like, I want to back it up and another fail safe yeah and then maybe it's somewhere else too it's like on something. a fucking cd as well yeah i don't know <laughs> but i i know a lot i mean probably a lot of people use cloud storage stuff too for that but yeah there's so many of those files it's like so much that i don't know you would need so much space what if it's hacked you know that's the thing too yeah oh did you hear about those people's vivos did no. you know the youtube you know what vivo is though yeah of course you're an artist of course um it was like 10 or 20 of like the biggest Vivos, like Taylor Swift, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar. They all got hacked and someone posted like this random meme video. And it just, it wasn't even like, if you were going to hack someone's Vivo, at Why? least maybe play like, it wasn't even like a good song. It was just some weird guy playing a guitar and it was like a meme, you know? But I was like, if you're going to hack everyone's Vivo, I'll maybe make it your music and it's like something yeah. like super crazy and like millions of people are going to see that thinking it's something special but then but then that's how you get caught they're like all right but how could you, you prove be, it though that's like, true you know, yeah you be like oh i guess someone likes me enough to just yeah. promote what i'm doing or you get people to pay you to put yeah their stuff up there i mean that's got to be worth i don't know thousands of dollars um, like marketing yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah 
It's it's a weird game out there, but it is. My guest oh my today God. is Daniel Lyon. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit Award. It's a it's a band. Yes. How would you? Uh, I know a lot of people don't like to put themselves in a genre, but would yeah. you? I like I was telling you, I've been interviewing a lot of psychedelic bands, and mm-hmm. you kind of give me like a psychedelic vibe a little bit, maybe like a subcategory of psychedelic. Yeah, I don't know. I. It's always hard. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to describe. I just say like. Uh, under a big umbrella of kind of psychedelic pop mm-hmm. stuff and that yeah seems vague enough that it's a thing but i don't know it's it's a whole i don't know i guess it's a whole debate too of like yeah what's what is psychedelic what does that mean even anymore i don't know uh, <laughs> i think it actually yeah i think psychedelics it's a is an umbrella term at this point too you know yeah that's crazy to think about i guess um it'd be interesting i guess genres are important what are genres important for anyways just for like if i don't know like i guess i mean i guess it's it's help it is helpful for some for stuff it is but it's so weird sometimes like having those labels because um i don't know it's weird and then you can get like in the nitty-gritty or something and be like well actually it's like yeah it's art uh, pop or I don't know like some other term and then it just sounds pretentious but people want to be called artists now you know but then like yeah, certain people right. when you say artists they think of painters so yeah what does it mean to be an artist now it's just is that an umbrella term now too <laughs> yeah everything's an umbrella term it's weird I don't uh, yeah I don't feel like I'd ever refer to myself as an artist mm. what would you You'd say you're a musician? Yeah, I guess so. But would you call a rapper a musician? Yeah, I mean... I thought, because to be a musician, you'd be a musician, I guess, because you play an instrument. I guess it is, yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's a vague thing, but... I don't feel like I'm a musician musician. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, a, uh... I don't know. I just, like... You know, I'm not, like, some crazy cellist. I don't even know how to read notes, like... Oh, shit, you're one of those uh, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's all by it's all by like feel and um, yeah, I don't know. So, so you don't know how to read notes, but you know what I know, notes are. So when people yeah, say, "Yeah, I can't read music," is what I'm saying. Is like, um, does that mean you know every note at least, like to play every note, or can like? Yeah. Okay. But I'll have stuff like where I'll be writing something and thinking in my head of like kind of a chord or something. Mm but not really knowing what that chord is and kind of finding it and not necessarily even knowing what, I don't know if this, is this like a D seven mm. diminished or what? I don't know, whatever it is. Like, wait, what about if you want like an orchestra or something to like expand on your piece? Like how would you, how that, would you give music to someone? That I, you could figure out actually easier with, um, you know, computers and MIDI stuff. Cause oh. They can tell the tones or whatever, or what? Yeah, I mean, basically you can play, like, I, I've done some stuff like that through, like, yeah, you can just, like, you know, I pull up, like, a cello sound or something and basically play it on keys, mm. and it will write out an entire, like, you know, um, score for somebody to play. Or Wait, what about yeah. if you're live? So do you know, you know what you're mm-hmm. playing live, though? Yeah. Or is it, like, different each time because you're not don't know the lyric like the notes uh per se, like no i mean music. i know it's all i mean playing is so it's it's really just like 
so much of it is just muscle memory. Mm. Um, I mean, I mean, a lot of the stuff, it's like, I know the chords or like the root notes of stuff or, Got it. or that, um, you know, I know like some basic theory, but I don't even know like a lot of hmm. stuff. It's really, I don't know. It's really just about fear and or fear. <laughs> 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 I've been recording a song called fear and that's uh, coming up, but, um, hell yeah. No, uh, yeah, it's really just, to, for me, it's just about vibe and um, using your ear to to hear what sounds good. Mm. Um, you know, it's pretty obvious if something doesn't work together. Um, well, it's easy to say that because you're a good musician, but some people might not know something doesn't sound good together, you know? Yeah. I <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um does knowing me does, do you think knowing sheet music put someone at an advantage in any way though uh i don't know i mean i think it just depends on what you want to do i think if you're gonna play in like rock bands and do that stuff it's more feeling based probably i can't imagine even like studio musicians nobody you're not gonna walk into a session and somebody's gonna hand you like mm. um just a sheet of like notes and stuff I don't maybe there's people like that I think more if you're like if you're like a orchestra person or something like that that would happen but even I've had records in previous bands and we had like a a guy who played like violin and cello and viola mm-hmm. he was like incredible he played for like uh, this is when I lived in Ohio in Cincinnati he played um, in like the orchestra Cincinnati philharmonic orchestra or something i don't know Mm -hmm. um but we didn't write any like notes out for him we just kind of had him come in and like Hmm. told him some things i think we played some key stuff on there and he just sat and like wrote out everything Mm. and he was just he was writing out you know just all the changes and he just did it and it was insane how do you get better like how do you know if you're getting better as a musician besides like Streams like how do you actually mm-hmm. know if you're getting better at guitar? Like, do you get to play notes faster? Or <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it just depends. Like, I, it's such a vague thing too. Of like, yeah, I mean, how do you know if you're better? Huh. I mean, yeah, some of it is like proficiency and like, you know, if you can play fast. Like, um, for me, I don't know. I don't really care about like doing some Jimi Hendrix solo thing mm. or something. And uh, I don't know. That's just not for me. Like it's not to me, that's not how you make a good song. Mm. Um, and we already have Jimi Hendrix and all these shredders. Yeah. Not to say there's not room for new people to do stuff, but um, I feel like I've heard that aspect of things so often that I try to shy away from that and just I don't know focus on more of like song instead of like I guess like musicianship or like Mm. um, I don't know what the word is just like yeah not trying to be like I don't know for lack of a better word just like masturbatory and just feeding your ego with like look at what I can do this thing it's like so how do you know if it's a good song um, then? Like, do people only know if they're making good music if they know if it gets views? Like, how do you 
How does someone personally know if it's uh, I don't know. It's fulfilling somehow. Or? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's if it if I like the song and it feels fulfilling, I don't get tired of it or I'm not like uh, this bugs me or something. Right. I for me, I feel like that's something that's been learned over time. Like I feel like earlier doing stuff like. I think when you're first doing stuff, you're just excited that you made something yeah. that is like listenable or like, I don't know, could, yeah. could be a thing. And then I feel like that kind of grows as maybe you go through stuff and through different writing processes. And um, yeah, I think I, for me, always good songs like, it's you know about refining but sometimes i don't know sometimes you can have a song that is like you're like this is kind of cool this is good but like i've i'm having this now with like a record where i'm like i like this song this is cool but like i don't know if it belongs on this record i don't Mm. know maybe it's just not it's not quite there it's I'm not like totally in love with it and I'm trying I think I'm trying to be more like that lately is like you know the way I like to do things is like write a song and like let it sit for a while listen to it again like do I still love it right and just like keep doing that and and also thinking about it like okay what don't I like about this or what could change instead of like forcing it just kind of like be kind of more like meditative about it and let it slowly develop instead of trying to force it. Yeah, isn't there an art sense? kind of? There's kind of an art in like mm-hmm. knowing when something's done, too, right? Like, yeah, that's. I feel like there's the balance of that. Yeah, where you're like you also have you like yeah you don't want to kill it to death and like be like I'm just gonna keep tinkering with it because then like sometimes you can destroy the like uh the I don't know the simplicity or something of like what that first was right and then you start complicating it I see like a lot of that sometimes like with people just be like oh and then we'll add this to it and this and this yeah plugins or instruments and then it becomes this huge thing and it's like I have to watch myself too like you know stuff we were just mixing and I'm like I just added five cents to this one part but you can't really hear them all go what's even happening. So we have to kill like three of them mm. or something. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's, yeah, I think it just depends, depends on the song and the, what the vibe you're going for is. So how much of bands is like actual live instruments versus like virtual instruments or maybe for you specific? Cause I guess it's different yeah. for every band. I think for me it's changed a lot. Um, it, I mean, it used to be all, like, real instruments or, like, you know, tangible instruments, hardware stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, as technology and stuff has gotten better, um, it's just, it's easier to use some, like, virtual instruments or plugins mm-hmm. um, and more portable. Like, I had a flight to LA and I brought a little keyboard and I had a whole aisle to myself <laughs> nice. and I set up all this stuff and uh, it was great because I could 
I can play like a bunch of different instruments and do writing while I was like, you know, on yeah. this flight and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to bring a giant organ on my flight right. and, <laughs> and, and try out some ideas or something or, uh, you know, be at my friend's apartment in LA and I can still like mess around with stuff and have minimal, you know, fit it all in a backpack basically. Shit. Does that mean like... <clears throat> That means bands are a lot of bands are producers as well. Versus when you see like a pop artist or a hip hop mm-hmm. artist, there's a lot of those guys who only know how to sing or write. They don't sure. know anything about production. But I guess you guys can consider yourselves producers as well, a little bit, right? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I especially with, I think in the recent times, I don't think everybody does it that way. But mm. I, I personally love like you know, getting all the basic stuff. And then I love tinkering and adding little tiny sounds or things that like just kind of make a, make a vibe for a record. And, you know, some stuff that you don't even necessarily like think about or hear, but it's still, it's there. And it's like kind of adding like an atmospheric thing or, um, yeah, just like kind of creating a little, little space. Does that mean like one of my guests I hope this was a guest and not just an interview I just watched. (laughs) (laughs) It's your guest now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's my guest now. I'm just going to say one of my guests was saying that they included, like, the noise of their sons playing, like, basketball in the back of their, uh, in the back of their music. So are there certain sounds that mean something to you when you add them to music? Yeah. I love, I like that thing, too. It's just, like, it in certain records it kind of like sets it it can set a tone or something for a song or like mm-hmm. um you know the audio of something just like can bring you to this place like um you know obviously it's just like it's music it's not visual but it i feel like it can create some kind of visuals yeah for you or bring you to a space because like it's like yeah you know what the sound of a basketball is like and what does that feel like to you? Like, you know, for yeah. me, I'm like, oh, that's like kind of comforting. Like, I grew up shooting hoops in my, you know, yeah, you're pretty driveway. tall. Do you, did you play basketball in school at all? I did. I wasn't that great though. Oh, yeah, the height. Unfortunately, man. I know. <laughs> I had the height. I had rebounds. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, not you know, not the greatest basketball player. The a sound that always. When I think of sounds, for some reason, I always think of, like, birds. Mm-hmm. And then birds always make me think of, yep. like, spring for whatever reason. Yeah. I was going to say I'm – that's actually – yeah, funny, too, you're talking about that because that was something that I didn't do, I feel like, a lot with the last record. And mm. with uh, my producer, we were talking about doing that stuff, and it just never happened. And it, I don't know. Maybe it didn't feel like it needed to for some of it. I think we added a little bit of things, but with this record, I am more intentional about like getting some audio from the space that I'm recording in. And maybe it's just the way I've made this record is different. Yeah. So, because I recorded some on like San Juan Island and stayed in this house, and you know, my dog was there and I was watching another dog. And so, nice. there was a part I just recorded them. There's like some jangly chains going on. And there's a dog bark and it's like 
you know, at first I was like frustrated because it's happening while I'm trying to record and I'm like, I'm just gonna record this. And yeah. It's part of it now. Another weird thing is like voicemails. Like I never know, like you mm -hmm. never know also like, not to get dark, <laughs> but yeah. you never know if like a family member or a friend's voicemail to you is like maybe one of their last phone calls. So yeah. you never know if like, I never know if I should delete a voice mail or not. Yeah. And like use it for something yep. down the road or yeah. I don't know. Cause certain things I get, um, what is that word when you're like sentimental? Sometimes yeah. I get sentimental about things. So I never know if I should delete a voicemail or not. Yep. That's, it's funny too. Cause I'm trying to find a portion of the record to put in a voicemail thing yeah. from a friend who called we were talking I don't know we were talking about spooky stuff and <laughs> some weird stuff happened to me when I was recording the record and she left this voicemail about it and I'm like I want to like put that in or like do something but I have that too there's some voicemails from a long time ago and it's like listen to them and yeah just like yeah but I hate when people do like you can tell when someone's like oh let's make a, fo a fake voicemail and put it on a yeah. you can tell like there's something genuine about yeah. You just <laughs> voicemails are so funny because you're like the person hasn't picked up and you're like fuck what am I gonna say? <laughs> so you're just thinking on the spot we're gonna uh -huh. say and like you're just talking to the midair. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Versus someone's like looking at a script and being like, yeah, oh I miss you, honey, blah 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 or whatever. Oh, you yeah, know? <laughs> I feel like when I leave voicemails, I forget that I'm like not talking to someone. <laughs> Sometimes they're like, all right, well yeah, well I'll see you later, bye or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like. You, you don't need to say that. Or do you, are you supposed to, <laughs> are you supposed to like leave your phone number at the end of voicemails anymore? Like I do that still. I don't know if people... I know. I thought about that too. <laughs> I did that actually just the other day and I'm like, who doesn't have like a caller ID thing? Like on the, if I'm calling maybe a landline, but yeah, I'm like, everybody would, would know, but I'm like, it feels silly. I felt silly to like leave it. But I'm like, as mid mid doing it and I'm like oh this feels so dumb yeah yeah I feel <laughs> that that's good to know so you're originally from Ohio yep and I heard in a previous interview that's wh what city is it again in Ohio uh a little town called Bowling Green and isn't that where like Dave Chappelle lives or something you're saying uh Dave Chappelle lived in Yellow Springs, Yellow Springs which I lived like right right in there and I worked there god yeah so what was it like growing up in Ohio? You said it was a small town? Yeah, it was like, I mean, it's like a college town. I think it was like, there's like 30,000 people with like the college in session. Oh, what what college? Uh, Bowling Green State University. I have never heard of it. Is it a good college? Or? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't go there. Um, uh, I think it's fine. Oh, it's yeah. like a, it's a party school. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I grew up there. It's just like small town, nothing to do. There's mm -hmm. like, it's flat. There's two man-made hills. Nice. We're sort of like sledding hills. Also, um, oh, it snows a lot there. It snows a lot, yeah. Uh, we get what's called lake effect snow mm -hmm. from Lake Erie. So you get just usually tons of snow throughout the winter. Nice. <clears throat> but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Growing up there was just, you just have to like find stuff to do because there's just, doesn't feel like there's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like in some respects, I'm lucky that I was so bored because then I 
would sit in my basement and try to make music and, you know, eventually got a computer and, you know, recording stuff and, you know, just messing around in that way. And Was it like romantic? Were you like thinking about like, I've been using the word romantic and I want mm-hmm. people to, when I say romantic lately, I mean like, you know, like something you read in books and you're like, oh wow, what if that happens to me versus yeah. like a date romantic. And I've been trying to use that word lately and people are like, are you talking about a date? No, I get it. Like, was it like romantic thinking like, I'm going to get out of this city being a, a oh, band? Oh, big or? time. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely being younger, like, you know, I had delusions of grandeur of like, yeah, I'm going to be good. Or like thinking of a song, I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be so cool. Yeah. And then you actually do it and you're like, oh, this isn't that great <laughs> or something. And it's hard, it's hard, I think, for a lot of people, too, to, you know, artists, I hear, I've heard this, too, with, you know, filmmakers, everybody. Um, it's hard sometimes to get over that hump of, like, making shitty stuff for a while. Yeah. And, like, it's hard to be like, oh, I want to do something great and feeling like I can do that. But it's like so many things. It's like you have to keep doing it. Like and just do it just like yeah write a shitty song maybe it's not great but you'll learn a bunch through that process yeah and um it still holds true though think about it like yeah we we definitely see like tiktok stars or if you Mm -hmm. want social media blow up yeah but then it's still so brand new but you already see it with certain people like um i was telling one of my friends i've been obsessed with this youtube channel i'm not even like a youtube guy like i guess i watch Okay, I do watch weird shit on... I go on certain rabbit holes, but I'm not someone who's, like, big into, like... There's, like, a YouTube, like, influencer thing that a lot of people are into. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, people just watch YouTubers. And I'm oh, not in, yeah. I'm not into YouTubers. I'm into just, like, <laughs> random, like... I'll watch, like, SNL skits on... Yeah, or whatever yeah. it is, yeah, right? Yeah. But I found this one YouTuber that I'm into. I don't even know their name. But they just... Their whole channel is based on talking about like the downfall of other youtubers and it's the great like i'm obsessed with it it goes into like this is how they started this is how they gained success and this is how it started to teeter off and now they're nobody and i'm like holy shit so it's you can see that with youtube and i think it's tiktok's so new that i don't think you're gonna you haven't seen it quite yet but like yeah you blow up like overnight on tiktok but what is the longevity in that versus like i think they're I still, I still think you kind of do have to follow that path of like trial and error, and I don't think a month of trial and error of oh this didn't blow up and this then this blew up. That's not like a month is not no. like there is something special about like maybe trial and error for a few years, or yeah. even like a decade until success happens. But there is a yeah. certain there is, but there's also a fine line of between like have I been doing it for a decade and there's no success or yeah. are there milestones that I'm hitting? I still think milestones are important, you know? Yeah. And I think too, it's like, you know, I feel like so many people and I've been there myself where I've been in bands where it's like, you want the most success you can have possible or the most mm-hmm. fans, you know, you want, you know, obviously as many people to hear your music as possible. Um, but I think, think it's it's a good thing to just be like well what do I want like and I've you know I've had that where it's like well I'm not making the kind of music that you know millions of people are gonna like right um but 
I'm making the music that I love and that I like. And that's, I don't know. And now, at least in my life now, I'm like, that's all I really care about is like that. And hopefully other people, uh, like that. Yeah. Um, cause I don't know. I feel like I've, I've written songs before and maybe I don't think I put them out, but I'm like, that's just not me. I don't know. And it's like, I, I would rather do something that is not as successful and be happy with it than do something that feels not genuine and like make a bunch of money Yeah. or try to chase that money and it, you know, that money could never happen either or that fame or whatever it is that you're trying to search for. Well, niches are super, super like, uh, they're super important and prominent right now. Like mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was telling you about Michael Rawl. Yeah. He, um, he's originally from Canada, I think Edmonton. Mm. And now he lives in uh, Joshua tree. And mm. one of my questions to him was, do Canadian artists feel like they have to move to LA to become successful? And instead of him saying, yes, that's the mindset, he, he kind of put it like realistically and he was like, Canada, like there's also, there's like 80%, I don't think he even realized, we talked about it briefly, but there's like something about like 80% of Canada is like uninhabitable because of like how cold it is. Because oh, like yeah, Russia's just right that. there. It's yeah. fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. But basically... The the entire country of Canada that you can travel, mm-hmm. can't it's it's smaller than L.A. So you can be a niche band in L.A. and gain more success with less traveling. Oh yeah, versus living in Canada and having to travel from region to region in Canada. Yeah, that's versus, like isn't that wild? A whole country is smaller yeah. than L.A. It is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what I've heard from all the friends that I have who are Canadian. It's just yeah. like the drives are crazy long and all this stuff. So they always just tour the U.S. Yeah, but so niches are important. Like if it is, think about yeah. it that way. You're like, at least I'm not. In Canada. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's not to say too. Like you can be super successful in a niche and, yeah. um, you know, even make a living off of it and do that. Um, but I think it's. I mean, for me, I think it's important. And anybody who's like played in my band, I'm like, you know, I've, I feel like I've had so many people who are like, dude, stuff's happened. It's gonna, you know, I'm like, just don't yeah. ever expect anything to happen. Just like, make sure you're having fun doing it. Be prepared though. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think I just, I don't know. I, I work hard and, you know, um, try to make the most of everything but um you know don't expect stuff and then it's a pleasant surprise when things happen i guess yeah i get that that makes sense actually Mm -hmm. like sometimes it's a weird thing because i i feel like uh sometimes i try to manifest things and be like oh this is gonna happen and then when it doesn't happen you're like fuck but sometimes i'm like maybe if i do say it enough to enough people then it will happen and then i'm like but yeah. for me, sometimes when I try to manifest something and I say it too much to people, then I'm like, if I don't, if it doesn't happen, I look like an asshole. So yeah. that just pushes me to make it happen. So I think a lot of times, though, you kind of have to make things happen on your own versus waiting for things. That's my yeah take, at least. I think so. I mean, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. But I mean, I um, like I've definitely been there in the like manifesting things, and yeah. I'm like dude, it's going to happen. And then 
you know, all the the stars are aligned and stuff, and then it's just like it doesn't happen. Then you're like, what? Uh, like uh, that happened a little bit with us in like COVID stuff, and like we're about to. Dude, that was everyone. Yeah, bro. Every- sign with a label, and that. I mean, we we ended up finding a great home for the the record, but. Uh, tell me about that. What what label were yeah. you going to be on? What was that story? I like? can't tell, but. <gasps> um. Yeah, it still could happen. <gasps> so with the next record, who knows? Um. Yeah, it was just it was just a thing. I think we had. I mean, this, this, I feel like is always happens though. It's like nothing means anything until you're signing a piece of paper because like I've been in the situation too, where you're like, you get strung along for months or whatever by a label and then, Mm. then all of a sudden drops off. You never want to be that person to be like, Oh, I almost was signed to this label. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay. Damn. Cool. So that is that is something though. You came from small town in Ohio, yeah, to Seattle, and Seattle is known as a band town. Yeah, know? and your band, even though you're a transplant, mm-hmm. seems like it has some sex, sex, success. You have some sex, yeah. <laughs> you guys have some sex in Seattle, yeah, and um, sex in the city, <laughs> yeah. So, what well, what was that like? So you you moved to so did you have like a solidified band before you moved to seattle or did you find all the members here in seattle and then how i guess this is a two-part question so yeah how did the band form and then how did you gain the success of you know like being on kxp or anything like that mm. um i think yeah i so yeah i was living in cincinnati and i was in a band there called pomegranates and that's kind of how i like we toured out to Seattle and stuff and we were touring quite a bit and I just always loved it mm-hmm. here. And, um, you know, I was kind of like between a few places. I was like, I really like Seattle, maybe Portland, uh, maybe Denver. I don't know. Yeah. I had friends kind of in each, each place and, um, liked them for different reasons, but just kind of like pull the trigger on Seattle um, you know, things had like ended for me with that band. And so I was like, I'm ready to just to go somewhere else new. And, um, I also spent, I spent like a summer out West in Oregon when I was like 16, mm-hmm. um, with my brother. And that was just kind of, that was the time when I was like, I need to get out of Ohio at some point. And kind of the only reason I stayed so long is cause I had join that other band and like we were touring and I was like oh it's fine I'm barely home and right. um but anyway yeah I um basically when I moved out I was trying to work on songs after leaving that band and I basically wrote and recorded most of an album and it just didn't feel like it was the thing and I like scrapped all the songs <laughs> Mm-hmm. Never, I don't. I never released an ear. If I did, I ended up taking them down. Um. Then I kind of briefly like started a little two-piece band, but it still didn't feel like. It didn't feel like the thing. It wasn't like my heart wasn't totally in it. Right. Um. And then I had been writing some demos and more stuff, and I was like okay, I'm starting to like, like this and get more of a vibe for what I want to do for a new project, which I feel like sometimes takes a little time to like figure it out. What, 
you know, like what have some better intentions or something. And anyway, so I was living here, I don't know, maybe a year, less than a year maybe. And I was working in kitchens and managing a kitchen. And um, I'd kind of done that in Ohio a little bit. And um, I met Chris Moore who's a server at the restaurant I was working at. And he was also an audio engineer at Electro Kitty Studios in Wallingford. <clears throat> and we talked about music and stuff and found out we had a bunch of, you know, bands in common we liked. And I think I played him some demos before and we like closed the bar or whatever. And he was like, oh, I really like this stuff. And he's like, you know, you should come over and we'll just record stuff at Electro Kitty um cuz i think the studio was like there was nobody booked right and um he wanted to just like work on some stuff so we recorded a bunch of stuff all the tape and i'm not like a great drummer either but i i tracked everything and he just engineered it and i had such a difficult time playing the drums it was the last thing we did that day too and i was so exhausted and not in practice, but that was kind of the first like kind of demo thing we did. And then I think after that, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to have a band and like. So were you, were you trying to be like a solo act at this point though? And did you have like a name for yourself? I didn't have a name. I was just, I think I was just trying to, yeah, record a record and then figure out, hmm. you know, finding musicians to play it with me. And then, you know, at the time Chris was playing in a band with, some other people and um so he brought his drummer on and we just kind of jammed on these like demos that i had and that Mm. and figured those out um and that ended up you know being what was spirit award then um and it it kind of became a little more collaborative and stuff and we were writing together and working on some stuff um and then, yeah, I don't know. Then how did you get on to, how long were you in Seattle before you were on a KXP like live performance? Because that's a, for people who don't know, KXP, I say it's like an offshoot of NPR. I think it's kind of its own thing at this point. But Yeah, it's its own, it's its own thing. But they, I would say they have the, the quality mm-hmm. that like NPR has. They're just, they're, I don't know, they're yeah. well organized and just everything's great. And it's a pretty big thing for any artist, whether you're from Seattle or like they have touring artists perform their live yeah. performance also. So how did that happen for you? Um, I think that we, I think the first one we did was the first record we put out, Never Ending. So it was probably 2017. Hmm. It's probably the first time we played. Um, did that and that was, yeah, I mean, that was so great because that was like, a dream of mine to play at the new one because it was my old band Pomerantz. We had played at the old studio and um, do you have a performance with Pomerantz on it? It's only audio. Before mm-hmm. they were doing video stuff, we were actually supposed to be Pomerantz was supposed to be the first video band, <clears throat> but it was at the old space. It was like tiny room. They had these videographers there. We had stuff all over, 
and then we filled the room with fog mm. and the videographers couldn't see anything and they're uh. tripping over stuff and so i think the video never came out <laughs> i want to see it though. i want to some at some point i'll be like is there a vault full of like these old tapes that better be hopefully it's know. in the cloud or something <laughs> yeah i think cheryl did it and i feel like maybe they weren't super happy that we brought fog or something oh so you're saying you brought your own fog yeah oh, oh yeah. i thought they were <laughs> no this was this was entirely our idea um That's funny as but uh yeah i mean they were always really good to you know to my old band too and it was like it's such a cool feeling when i remember we rolled into town and we just turned on the radio and literally our song was playing and we're like Whoa. this is crazy like what a cool place it just felt that also felt like to me i was like seattle's kind of like magical or um does that does that magic leave once you become a seattle band or what yeah then you see you see all the holes and the and everything and no i think there is something to be said about like the the seattle music community here and um i don't know at least what i've experienced is there's maybe it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit and but i feel like there's just a very supportive community a lot yeah um uh so i don't know that felt really good to me and yeah i don't know then kxp is just always it, they've just been so good to like spirit award and playing us a lot and that's crazy we were lucky to get in like i think we got in like nine months later or something after that next or the the other kxp session we did and i remember morgan she's like you know like no bands play this often for <laughs> sessions and i'm like thank you so much for having us Damn. <laughs> um yeah so it was just super sweet um they've you know it's just it's a great resource i mean people listen to it all over the world and or watch the videos and it's yeah. like i i just feel lucky to have done that i mean yeah, it's just like I'll have people reach out about those sessions, and I'm like, people are still watching those. And <laughs> over the pandemic, somebody reached out who is a uh, respiratory therapist at a for a COVID unit, and damn, holy shit! Yeah, sent like a picture. They're like, here's our staff, and they're like, we're watching your KXP session. And it's like helping us through, and I was like, that's why I do this. Yeah. And it was like. It, I don't know. That was nice for me because I'm like, it was during the lowest time in the pandemic and I had a record done and yeah. we didn't know where it was going. I'm like, okay. It's like somebody appreciates it and that's all that matters. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the, the thing, so. Holy shit. Um, that must have been very heartwarming. Holy. It was and it was like, wow. yeah. Anyway, shout out. I can't remember the guy's name now but i guess it wasn't but we chatted a little bit and he was like really reassuring to me too because like i had asthma and you know some conditions that i was a little worried about getting covid and stuff and you know after all this stuff he's like okay now i can tell you we've been doing the tests we all like got vaccine trials and doing it and he explained everything to me and just like okay oh the fan did this yeah oh my we kind of had this like little chat dialogue and kind of check-in thing and it was like uh it was really nice because i was just like had so much anxiety about everything and not knowing when we could tour again or play yeah. shows and um anyway yeah wow. 
shout out to them and anybody who's you know been on those front lines it's like it's crazy to hear you know he'd be like covid units full again super busy and um it's like a pen pal during that's crazy yeah it was it was fun it's i i've really enjoyed like you know having the absence of shows at least like connecting with some people who enjoy the music and yeah um yeah did you ever get covid I we just actually my whole band got it after we just played Tree Fort in Boise. Oh, congrats on Tree uh, Fort! Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> um, now I just have allergy stuff. Um, but yeah, we we all got it, and we kind of expecting know, it at that point. Yeah, I mean, fully like I we were about to go play a festival with no masks, and yeah, you know, I was like, you know. At this point, I feel like it's inevitable if you want to, yeah, play shows and stuff. And how was it for you? Was it hard? I'm guessing you're vaccinated, or yeah, I'm. I was vaccinated and boosted and everything, and so it's like you know, I feel like this is gonna be fine. And you know, taking a bunch of supplements and everything, and um, you know time will tell if this is a long-term thing where everybody's yeah. <laughs> like messed up but uh yeah i don't know i mean it's a it's a tricky thing i mean i know a lot of bands we weren't on tour so we i mean we were lucky that this was a one-off festival and we came home where we would have had to like cancel our whole tour mm-hmm. and that's rough right now i have friends who are on tour and it's like you know asking for everybody to you know try to keep them as safe as possible and Cause it's hard, especially for bands who like, that's their job, that's their income. And like, you know, it's, you can't miss like 10 shows or something. And yeah, it's just too hard financially to like do you stuff. So what about you? Is, uh, <clears throat> do you have a other job or do you focus on music full time? And what's that like for you? I do. I, I've always kind of worked other jobs or had to like hustle to, I guess like make music a thing and I mean I think especially sometimes living in like a big city and you have there's so many expenses and stuff probably and changed since you first moved here yeah yeah big time <laughs> I mean yeah for sure so I I just always I mean I think from when I was probably like I don't know early 20s like found jobs that I could do that would help support music or that like I could still have a job after I came back from tour or Mm -hmm. um stuff like that so yeah like I cooked for a long time and then I was bartending so I could work a bunch of shifts leave for tour come back have a job um and then last few years I've been doing like pressure washing and window cleaning I started a business Oh, nice. Do you have, like, a van? Yeah, I do. Oh, my gosh, man. You're the real deal. I, uh, it's funny because, like, I mean, over, I guess, pandemic, like, I had our band van, and I was using that to to start the business, and then after the pandemic, I was like, this is just a work van now. And so we have another now band van, uh, which is another source of headache, but right (laughs) now, but... It's we the joke always that I've heard is that the van is the only member of the band that gets paid. Which yeah, 
<laughs> right now is like the saddest truth ever that we just put over the last year we've put like almost five grand into this van where it's like we could have just bought a whole new van by now yeah dude um, i feel that i just my car just reached a hundred thousand miles so nice. so many things yet i had to get new brakes the transmission oh, yeah. so i think i'm caught up now but i'm mm-hmm. definitely two grand in the hole because of it yeah we're like that we when we played tree fort that was like <laughs> getting COVID was like it was, this is the whole worst thing on it because our uh, our radiator busted and uh. all this stuff and it was like we had to get it fixed and it was like we got ripped off but it was like a $2,000 fix and I was supposed to go in the next day to start mixing this record and so I was like we had to postpone that a day and then I'm talking to my producer and he's like yeah he's like yeah, just, it's no worries. We can push it back. He's like, just don't get COVID. And that night I tested positive and I'm like, so I called him like, hey, it's not happening. We're not, I'm like, I'm like, you jinxed it, man. Dang. So, so what made you get the, start the pressure washing business? Um, I think just wanting to have more money and more time more money to pour into music stuff but um and just more flexibility i was working for a company when i first started doing it and um they were super great um and let me take a lot of time off and mm-hmm. but i think it got to be a little too much when they were like <laughs> they were like so you know i know we talked about you touring a bunch and doing that but you know you took like 90 days off to to play shows and stuff and tour and i'm like yeah i mean that's what we talked about and stuff and they didn't tell me like you know you should stop or you should quit and like yeah just you know just a heads up maybe like figure out something because they were paying for health insurance and stuff too i was feeling a little guilty and i was like you know what i'm gonna just get my own stuff and i started subcontracting for them and um, it just worked out better for me, you know, that I can do that and, you know, I'll, I can work like crazy and then go work on a record or yeah. go tour and come back and still have a job. And I did carpet cleaning for a little bit and, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you realize like how much money it goes into like carpet cleaning equipment. So what's oh, that, yeah. what's that like for pressure washing? Is there like tiers of equipment and then? What makes something better than the other? Yeah. Um, I would say the pressure washing stuff is like the most expensive part of like my business because mm. it's constantly breaking and constantly needing repaired. Um, like all the window cleaning stuff and ladders, it's like the lowest investment in new business you could do. Right. And I tell like all my friends who are musicians and whatever, I'm like, just get into it. They're just like, oh, I can't do heights and stuff. I'm like, dude, I'm terrified of heights. You get used to it. Yeah. Um, or if there's like crazy jobs, you just like, you're like, nope, I'm not doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are tiers of pressure washing stuff. And I, I would say mine is like a mid-grade thing. You can get really crazy with it if you're like, 
going to remove like graffiti or oh, wow. something. It's a whole, it's a whole like thing. Like if you're going to like have hot water go into it or like, I know guys that I've worked for, they have like a whole trailer system <laughs> full of like all this stuff and a whole water tank so that you can do more whatever gallons per minute or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for what I do, it, it, it's the job done. It's mostly like residential stuff, some commercial stuff. How how do you go about building up clients for that? You just cold <clears> call. <throat> do you have an e- like a website, or how does that work for you? I have a website. My website's been really crappy for a while, but I have somebody who's who's building it, and we're. I'm finally like, I've been taking stuff slow because I didn't want to get too busy with yeah. it because like I don't really want to hire people or you know have more work than I can handle. Um. But I've done a couple of things. I mean, you know, I've I've run some ads and stuff here and there. And um, I feel like for the most part, the best thing is just like word of mouth. And, you know, people hear about it and somebody's neighbor tells somebody's neighbor. And it's like, yeah, that's usually how I get like the best clients. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of how I've grown it. And this year we maybe a little different hell yeah yeah finally getting like a google page business page and all that stuff but there we go yeah yeah i think because i i'm a podcast producer and Mm -hmm. i think having clients can be difficult but it's also very fulfilling like yeah i had that i mean i feel like i've gone gone through a bunch of different i guess jobs or stuff when i was i don't know probably 21 or something I started doing like photography. Mm. Well, I didn't start, but I started like a wedding photography business. Um, and that was like, all right, but it just like wasn't my thing. Mm. Um, mostly just like, so I went to school for graphic design and photography. and Oh, dope. Um, I just, the idea of it was really cool to me. And I... You know, I love photos and I love videography stuff and um, and some design stuff, but it's just like doing that nine to five every day was like, I, I worked for a company for a little bit doing graphic design stuff and I just was like so antsy. I couldn't mm. focus on that. I was like, I got to get out of here. This like office that I'm stuck in. Yeah. It's just not for me. Um so I feel like I've gone through those different phases of stuff and, and photography is similar. It's like, yeah, you're out shooting, but then most of your time is spent calling through photos and editing. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy doing some of that stuff now for like, I've taken that for like the band stuff and yeah. like, you know, been able to use some of that and want to use more of that now. Um, you know, and get more, back in this and like doing some music video stuff and that and um it's enjoyable I think for me to do in like smaller doses and have balance um so yeah I don't know it's a I feel like it's a strange thing that like we've evolved work to be and what it means and um you know the Monday through Friday nine to five type job and you know there's there's nothing wrong with that I mean 
per se and if you love if you like doing that props to you yeah um for me i'm just like i don't feel like that's how i want to live my life like because you're an artist man that's why maybe maybe i think (laughs) yeah i mean maybe that's it it's just like you know i find stuff really fulfilling about doing work and uh especially like manual labor stuff um but you know i don't know i think about like you know hundreds of years ago it's like people weren't necessarily doing like one job yeah i mean sometimes you know you have like whatever a blacksmith and that but it's like something about to me about getting to do a bunch of different things that makes me feel balanced um and i'm not just doing one thing and i'm not like you know you don't get burnt out or bored of that one thing and um i don't know i like that i feel like even if i were to make like a bunch of money off music or something i'd still want to have something else right or a job or i don't know yeah it makes me more motivated to do that other thing yeah i feel um, that having the absence of it or something i um on the drive over here i saw amazon robots oh yeah i thought that was kind of Maybe that will open us up to having different types of jobs or like what yeah. what does it mean to have a job? But that was fucking Or maybe crazy. they'll take all our jobs. Yeah. They're gonna start a podcast and Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking dude, it was wild. Like if you think about it, we might be like, because 'cause we're in Seattle. What if we're like yeah. one of the if robots do take over, we're definitely like one of the first <laughs> the <series>. first <laughs> ones to go. The the Amazon uh what is it? The Amazon balls or whatever. The glass uh, thing downtown just turns into a giant oh, robot. Oh, like the, like the fucking um, <clears throat> Incredibles robot? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh Dude, I swear to God, I was dry. It was at a fucking like, elementary school. Mm-hmm. There was just a line of like bright blue robots. Deliver- were they delivering packages? I think they're testing them out. Yeah. Have you seen them already? Oh, I saw them years ago, actually. I was... Oh. So I was cleaning windows like... Where was this? This was like... It was probably like out east in Bellevue or okay. some some like rich yeah. neighborhood suburb thing. And I'm sitting I'm like on somebody's roof or something and I'm look and I look over. I took a video, it's somewhere. I look over and there's this guy like sitting walking and then there's this robot and he's just like watching it. And it's like going around and it's like dropping a package <laughs> up. They were like they were like testing it, I think, to see yes. if it can like handle the terrain and knows where it's going and stuff, or maybe he was programming it. That's wild. Yeah, this was. I mean, this was probably like I don't know, two or three years ago. But yeah, it's, it's iRobot. Um, did you hear about mm-hmm. Tesla's? I don't think it's a feature quite yet, but they're trying to do a thing where like if you own a Tesla car, it's kind of like having stock, and like you could turn that into like a rideshare thing where like your Tesla is going to be able to like drop you off and because auto drive will be like more proficient. So your car, you might own that car Uh and you might be able to make money off owning that car because once it drops you off, it'll pick someone else up and drop them off. And and then we're going to really be in like iRobot type shit. Yeah. It's insane. We live in a very insane time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. God. I mean, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have felt like that over history, but 
this truly feels like, <laughs> you know, where technology is rapidly changing and, uh, you know, all the things that were science fiction are now like feasible and real, yeah. <laughs> you know? And some of them were just like, oh yeah, we just, we take it for granted some of the stuff that people are like, yeah. oh shit, there's going to be a computer in your pocket. And now they're like, yeah. Everyone has it. Oh, I dropped my computer in the pocket. Yeah. My pocket. I don't care. <laughs> like, I take for granted that I have a computer and I can have a keyboard and have literally thousands of instruments at my disposal that yeah. sound amazing and that probably a lot of people couldn't tell that it's not the real instrument or something, you know? All fucking like Beethoven and artists like that went crazy yeah. over making music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just like, durp, 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 yeah. Durp, durp. yeah, I just press a couple buttons. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's insane. I was talking to somebody about that with um producer with the, with Logic, which is like, you know, recording program and that there's like the Logic drummer mm. and it, a lot of them sound so good and that you know there's people who are just like you can take those and you can mix it and make it sound even better and it sounds and some of you never know that it was like not a real drummer That's or wild. something or that it was just this program <laughs> uh so i don't know that there's so much about it though that's like exciting especially for artists cause it's like yeah you know if you can learn that stuff and get get some of that stuff you have like you know it's easier to make music you know cheaply you know like to make some demos or mm -hmm. um i don't know whatever is to i guess maybe to even just like explore some other ideas and or f you know for me i use it all the time just to do demos it's like so fast yeah. You know, where I'd before I just like loop something or like do a part and play drums over it. And yeah, it's just easier to use now. Yeah, it's interesting to see certain like educational gaps or resource gaps start to close and open up to people. And mm -hmm. it's interesting to think if there are no gaps in certain things, does that progress society or? does it hold back society in other ways? Yeah. Because it is, it, like, I don't know, I have a lot of friends who think, who blame things on, like, them, or they, uh, like, ho hoarding certain things. Sure, yeah. So, but does that mean for sure that if there wasn't, um, hoard, if there is hoarding of certain powers, does that mean if it was more, I'm not even talking about like a communist thing whatsoever. I'm just saying right. like yeah, yeah. if the if if more resources and even if there are resources, that doesn't always mean that people are going to take those resources and use them. Right. So if things were more accessible, does that always mean progression or what is no. it? No. And I mean that's also like the other point of like progress isn't always good. Right. Um you know, I feel like we see that with a lot of things. It's like you know, do we really need a bunch of nuclear weapons? Right. Probably not. Or even think about <laughs> like this Like, what way. if we had none? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That sounds great. Um, I th I yeah. Think, I think this is, like, a small example, but, mm -hmm. like, just like how you, from, like, a very early age, wanted to be an artist, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's feasible for most people who can buy a laptop or a microphone. Yeah. 
they can be an artist. Is that more helpful or does that mean there's certain people who are just going to pick it up because they know it's easy and they might know certain ways to market and like maybe their music's not good or whatever but they might have some knowledge in marketing so they get further ahead than certain people who have the same resources and have been wanting to do it their entire life but they don't have that knowledge or whatever you know is I guess there is good there's positives for those resources of being able to pick up a microphone and a laptop but then who are the people that succeed with that is it the people that have always wanted to succeed or is it people who, who realize there might be a certain hack or a certain way yeah. to progress? I mean, that's definitely a thing. I mean, yeah, there's there's people who, yeah, just know how to work that system and they do get further ahead. And, like, I've definitely seen that with some people. I'm just like, really? That? Like, that thing? And, like, you know, at times, like, been jealous or whatever. And it's just like, eventually into a point, it's just like, hey good for them they like figured out how to work the system and whatever i don't know yeah music is like in general it's just like so subjective anyway it's like let me check my phone real quick keep talking yeah i uh so i feel like yeah i mean it's hard to i i never like i feel like i try to not like rag on people now because it's like it may not be my thing, but like, hey, props to them. Somebody likes it and they're mm. whatever successful in that. Um, you know, I think it's a like that's a, it's like I mean for music especially it's like exciting because so many people have more access. On the one hand, too, it like it's harder for you to be seen mm. sometimes. Saturated so, to real thing. Yeah, so you do have to like figure out how to make that work and like you know for I think for people who have been doing it for years and like um or you know before all this technology or social media stuff was like available it's like it can be more frustrating because it's like oh now I don't have to just like I can't just make the music and tour and put it out I gotta make the music tour put it out promote yeah through social media do this this and it's like you know that is so so jarring because i i've only grown up knowing that you're supposed to do everything yeah right so like i don't see that as a disadvantage i think of it as a glass half full thing where like how you are kind of relating doing photography at a young age Mm -hmm. to now being like now i know how to use that for my band yeah I'm starting off being like, I need to know how to do all this versus like being like years later, oh, yeah. maybe that resource will help me in the future. Yeah, totally. I mean, it is like, I. it's not that I don't, like I definitely enjoy doing all those things, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, some of those things I've been able to pass off to other people, um, which is nice, you know, like for the next record I'm like I'm not going to design the cover mm-hmm. or layout and do that stuff because that is so time consuming for me and I'll focus on something else um, but I'm like but I do want to be more hands on with like shooting some music videos and you know writing some concepts out for that and directing them and um, yeah but it's yeah it is a funny thing I mean to just know that that's like come from a place where you're like 
it's just what you do. You got to do all these things yeah. rather than like, oh, now I have to do this. And, oh, this is a thing now. And um, I don't know. I think part of that is just like so many of these, you know, film or music industry stuff is like it's always changing kind of and you kind of got to just adapt with it a little bit. And But, you, you know. You have an interesting life where you – I feel like your life experiences like help you be the artist you are. Like you were saying, you used to manage a kitchen, and now mm-hmm. you're—I don't know if you have a manager, but you're the front man yeah. of a band. So you, no matter what, whether you have a manager or not, you kind of have to manage the moving pieces in a band. Yeah. You know, like you, like this is what because <laughs> I, I feel like it's kind of a fun like resume builder type thing. Like being like, if you're applying to a job, you're like, oh, I did this for a year, and this is actually is why I'm good for this job because. I learned these things like you yeah can, you can be like that with photography you can be that with like your cooking mm-hmm. you're like oh i managed a kitchen so now i know how to manage myself and be a pressure washer all these different things so yeah. it's kind of it seems like all these different experiences kind of make you who you are and yeah it seems like honestly i don't know if you see yourself as it but it kind of all those things laid out makes it seem like you're in like a leadership role and you're a leader that's cool yeah thank you yeah i think uh I think I ended up to a place like, I I mean, years ago, you know, you'd just be like, oh, I don't know anything about that. or know how to do that. And it's like, you know, always like starting a new thing, like, can be weird because you like feel bad at it. And you're just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just never going to be good. This is hard or whatever. And um, at least for me and like my brain would just be like, I don't want to do this because I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just like a thing that I like. I want things to be, I want to be good at it immediately. Um, but I don't know. I feel like what I've learned is just like to not be scared of that. And just like, you know, it's like even stuff about like, I'm just like cars or something. It's like, I could figure that out if I like spent time. It's like some other human did. Yeah. And it's like, you just, you figure, keep, figuring more stuff out and it's like um and then it's it is nice to like have this information about this thing and that and to be able to use that uh in different contexts like I don't for me like you know recording my own music and getting to know like more terminology about stuff like um like reverb and Mm -hmm. delay and like what each of the little knobs do and like it's extremely helpful for me when I'm having somebody mix a record Yes, and that can be like some of the hurdle is like trying to explain what you want and especially when I want really something very specific Mm -hmm. to try to explain what that thing is in super specific terms like um, Trevor, my producer, last record. <laughs> I think even I kept like catching myself. I would say like, yeah, it needs. It just needs more drive. And <laughs> it annoyed him so much, and probably rightfully so. He's like, what kind of drive? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you know, just like great. He's like, well, there's a bunch of different. He's like, you got overdrive and distortion and like getting me to talk in more specific terms and I'm like yeah you're right I'm just like you know so I don't know just 
I, I guess that's like a long version of whatever even the question was or that we were talking about. But no, I think that's that's important. Like I, uh, yeah, one of my favorite, I think, the people like I fan out about, mm-hmm. like when it comes to like people that are like celebrities, is people that I still see as like underdogs a little bit. Yeah, you know, like one of my favorite podcasts is, um, Flagrant Two. I don't know if you know Mm-mm. Flagrant Two, but it's um. Andrew Schultz, who's a comedian, he was just in town like a month or two ago, and I saw him I live. It was, it was awesome. Nice. Um, but he had a Netflix show called Schultz Saves America. Okay. And it literally was based off that he's been a comedian. He's like almost forty, and he's been doing comedy for like twenty years or so, right? Yeah. And like he's just never got a big break, mm-hmm. and so he was like, you know, what? I'm gonna start putting stuff out on YouTube. And he his like stand up. He was like one of the first people that put a comedy special on YouTube, and it was very successful. Yeah. And he's like, during the pandemic, he's like, everyone's on social media. So I wanted to figure out how to do comedy on Instagram. And he found a way that was very, like, entertaining comedy on Instagram to the point that Netflix was like, this is something. Let's turn this into a Netflix show. Cool. Off a social media thing. And he was talking about it on the podcast after the whole Netflix thing was done. He was like, me and my crew, like, we know how to get things done. But at the end of the day, compared to people really in the industry, we're kind of like ragtag. Mm-hmm. So, like, how we describe a spe- specific camera, someone in the industry, like, when we were shooting the Netflix special, was like, do you mean this? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, I, I can see what you're saying when you're, like, working with a producer even. Like, there's, yeah. there is something special. It, it relates to the very first conversation we are talking about. Like, there's something special about starting from zero and, like, actually growing. And those years in between are important versus, like, the overnight success. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's cool. And that's super important. And I, that's, I think an important thing too, to know is just like, stuff is not immediate like that. It's like, you know, it's like, you could work for, some bands work for a year, they put out a record that catches everyone's attention. And, you know, it's not like they just get lucky, like, most of them work really hard to do it. And where they have like, you know, a good team behind things and, um, it's successful. Other people like, you know, can work really hard, put out records for years until they finally like kind of hit a breakthrough. And, um, yeah, I think that's like, I, I feel like that's my philosophy now. It's just like, I, I love what I'm doing and like, you know, I've had people, in the band before in the past and you know wanting the success and stuff and I think you know I can tell it's just like they're not going to stick around or for the long haul or mm. or people get exhausted of it because like it can be really tiring to like you know do this thing a lot and tour and there's always uh, there's always hurdles and stuff that get in the way and Um, it's hard, you know, it's like, I've, I don't think I've had a record that I've done where there's some hurdle where I feel like it's some moment where I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I can do this again. This is so hard. Like there's so much work, so much stuff, but Mm -hmm. you like keep getting over these humps and you're like, all right, cool. And it's like, you know, I've always by the end of it been happy that I push myself, even though it's like been hard yeah um yeah so that's that's kind of the thing i don't know just like 
keep going little by little and you just like figure it out and it's like I don't know I think for a lot of artists it's just like I've had a time before where I've been like not playing music and or doing something artistic and it feels like I'm not doing what I'm like meant to do or what really makes me feel fulfilled yeah um so I think having that realization has for me has been like well I should just figure out a way to do this as much as possible you know without burning myself out um which is you know why I try to find you know work that fits around music not the other way around yeah um uh I think that was like the best advice that my dad ever gave me is like I dropped out of college to join a band and I was like he's gonna be so upset whatever and you know I think eventually he was saying he's like well you know what he's like you gotta do what you love and don't worry about money mm. it's like yeah, I mean he had that thing I guess somewhat his dad wanted him to be an engineer he didn't want to do it he's like I want to be a teacher and I want to help people and do this and he just did it I was like, yeah. Just you know. do it. Yeah, I feel like that's the, I feel like I've been this way and I think a lot of people, it's easy to be like really afraid to do something and oh, but like what am I going to do about this money and that and it's like, I don't know. If you have like a good support system around you and people and, you know, I've been the brokest I've ever been in my life. Like, doing this at times but I'm like I always have a roof over my head and some food and it's like <laughs> you know uh, and that's makes me happy it's like I could have all the money and not be doing this and be you know not fulfilled and you know what's the point yeah <laughs> you know 100% to just go for it I mean you know the the biggest thing yeah just don't have like regrets about something you know like what if I did that thing what if I just like what if I suffered for a little bit just tried it's like if you're you know just try it maybe it's not for you but um yeah, I don't know yeah man I agree you know uh Nate Lewis, since I've been producing his podcast, he usually tends to be on the shorter side. But you're one of his longest interviews, and I can tell why. You're very, uh, you're very fun to talk to. It's oh, you. Nice. Uh, I just ramble too. That's why. No, man, it's a weird thing <laughs> where uh, I feel like it's misleading. People might you might come off like not very talkative, and but you're mm -hmm. very. I feel like during our conversation, you've come off very uh, empathetic and uh, easy to talk to, and think what you got to say is important and i'm i'm happy you came on the podcast yeah yeah i'm happy to be on here yeah i feel like people get that that vibe a lot i think people don't uh people are weirded out to like talk to me after shows or something because mm. i'm i can be pretty introverted in that and then but Just let's talk about something that you know talk about robots let's talk about robots or like <laughs> something that's yeah interesting and i'll just go off on it Yes, sir.
but yeah. So what, what would you like to promote? You, you, do you have a new project dropping soon? Or? Um, I'm, I don't know when that's going to drop. We're, I'm working on the record now, and I don't know. There we go. We're hoping to have singles out this year. The record probably won't be out till next year. We're it's dependent to we're talking with labels and that. Got it. The whole thing. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank yeah. you. Better back up your hard drive. <laughs> yeah, the hard drive is going to get backed up tonight. Um, yeah. Yes, sir. All the stuff. Well, what's the what's the easiest way for people to reach you? Um, my number is no. Um, you can. I guess Instagram, it's a good one. Her name is spirit underscore award. Um, I don't know. Where are the other things people Where's, what's your, uh, do? How can people reach your pressure washing business? Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. I've had stalkers. So. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Maybe follow on Instagram and then figure out. Yeah, just follow on Instagram, message me, and if you're, you know, you promise not to stalk me or send me love letters then uh otherwise we'll, we'll pressure good. wash you in the eye yeah he's got a deadly weapon on him that's true <laughs> yeah um yeah you can find you know a bunch of stuff on youtube some videos kxp sessions there's uh there's a fun kxp session for the last record that trevor my producer and i did which is like a it's like a walkthrough on like all the production stuff we did um, with KXB, so it was a fun thing if you're ever interested in all that ner- yeah. nerdy stuff. There we go. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been the NAS podcast with Daniel Lyon, and we did it.